You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. Welcome, Megan, to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I am really excited to have this conversation about maybe a topic that is a bit different to what we've spoken about, well, definitely different to what we've spoken about on the podcast, and maybe something that's not discussed a lot. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking about adult ADHD. Yes. Which is a condition we're probably more commonly attached to children. Mm -hmm. Little boys. And boys, yeah, yes. Little crazy boys. <laughs> <laughs> that was my interpretation of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're exactly um, spot on there. So we'll sort of dive straight into it. Mm. Some of the listeners might be thinking they've heard that term ADHD yeah. and not really sure what is it because it's sort of thrown around a bit. Mm-hmm. In its words, it's attention deficit hyperactivity mm-hmm. disorder. I know, I hate it. It's horrible. Yeah. It I, is, yeah. It is. Every little part of that equation (laughs) all those terms make it sound like quite a negative thing yeah can you explain to us what does adhd yeah feel like for you and what do you think it is for me adhd is noisy and it's abrupt and overwhelming and like cloudy i suppose when i first started going down the path of thinking that this is probably something I'm experiencing. I couldn't describe it because my interpretation of ADHD was hyperactive, crazy, tiny people who are just off the rails and going nuts. And, you know, unfortunately we would judge parents being like, what is going on with your kid? Like settle your kid down. But now taking a step back in hindsight and realising how I'm experiencing it now in adulthood, it is so hard to put a label on it because it is so individual yeah and so for me yeah noisy cloudy sensory overload a thousand miles a minute forwards a thousand miles a minute backwards it's very roller coaster is probably the way to describe it yeah and do you find that you do have trouble focusing or is it um because of that cloudiness Mm. or um yeah calming down or it honestly depends on the moment, what's going on. Having kids as well really heightens <laughs> at times. It's hard. There are lots of words that, um, if you were to Google ADHD, for example, lots of words that would come up that could be a symptom or a characteristic. A lot that I find is disassociation, sensory overload. They're probably the two most that really resonate. The disassociation is kind of having everything going on around you, every sense is heightened so much that you just blank off and you are gazing into space because your brain can't figure out what is most important. So instead it just stops and then it'll pick up again and you've been standing there having a conversation with someone and you have no idea what just happened because you could hear a conversation 20 miles away. You can hear a bird, you can hear the coffee machine going, whatever, like, and... For me, my senses think that that's what needs my attention as opposed to my friend, my child, my phone, my work, whatever. So the focus on that can be quite difficult to tune in and stay focused on the task at hand or the person or the conversation. That's a really good description of how that must feel in the moment 
with a person like like you said like when your focus is picking up on all these other things mm-hmm. then what should be the primary focus at that yeah. moment I suppose even though our conversation is about adult um, ADHD that can definitely help people put their mindset in how a child would be feeling at school mm-hmm. if they're trying to focus on what the teacher's saying but they can hear all the other kids yeah. talking they can probably hear birds outside absolutely um you know the clock ticking yeah. maybe yeah oh the clocks oh my god the clocks that's a big one yes and that is <laughs> really? why, yeah oh clocks can't do it in hotels i have to turn them off lights everything it's so like little fickle things that people wouldn't see or even notice are such a huge thing for someone with hyperactivity but with kids it's so fantastic now in schooling they have wobble chairs or fidgets and all these things that parents think are just plastic are so helpful like I have fidgets or at work I often sit with blue tack in my fingers and just move yeah move it around because that takes away that sensory so I'll have something in my hand while I'm working and that's enough to keep that sensory overload stimulated and controlled so I can focus on my work. That, wow. Yeah. So that's how fidgets work. Is yeah. These little spinny things and the things that you pull and make all these noises are so annoying. They are so annoying. My kids have them. We've got tons of them. But I, I like the little popper things or the spinners or I've even got one from my physio which is for hand strength and grip strength but it's like a rubber like a little rubber ball it's called an exerciser and it's so it's supposed to do something for your muscles but for me it takes away that hyperaction okay to like distract my brain from that need to be fidgety so that's so interesting so you pull all your energy and your focus into the thing that you're fidgeting with in your hand mm-hmm. so that your mind it's can clear. focus at the task yes Wow. Okay. Even on the phone, if I answer the phone at work, mm-hmm. I'll always have something in my hand so that I can, my brain knows that I won't get distracted while I'm on the phone and I can listen clearly to who I'm talking to and what their needs are and what I need to do with that phone call. Mm. Yeah. Do you find yourself constantly reaching for sugary foods? It's no secret that eating too much sugar can wreak havoc on your gut health. Not only does it feed bad gut bacteria, but it can also cause inflammation and damage to the gut lining. Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol is here to help. Our simple four-week reset program is designed to remove triggers and unwanted microbes, supporting you through your sugar hangover and repairing the gut. So why wait? Start feeling better today with Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol. This is <clears throat> can go in so many different directions yeah. where we're at right now with this conversation. We're going to sort of talk about diagnosis and how you came to it. But what you just said then, I imagine having this sort of attention. What? How do you like to refer to I don't it? Actually? Really? No. I always call it my front, like my frontal lobe. It's my frontal lobe. <laughs> like just joke it off because I don't like the word ADHD. I just think it's. It is, it is negative. And the stigma in society is so negative towards it. And I don't see it as a negative side. It's just my brain. It's just Mm -hmm. who I am, how I operate. So hubby and I, we always just joke about the frontal lobe. And I'll be like, oh, it's a frontal lobe. Or if I'm having conversations with people that know that I have, you know, this superpower. um, (laughs) I'm like, oh, it's ADD brain. The the DD brain's working. Like, just (laughs) now that I'm on the medication it's so much different but before I just was all over the shop 
just yeah. hurricane, a little hurricane. Right. Yeah. And so as we'll get into, you weren't diagnosed until only recently. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about where it may have started, but first you must have found it quite difficult then, or have you found it difficult mm-hmm. going through adulthood with work mm-hmm. and any studies that you may have done or anything, you know, in adult life when you're meant to be adult. Know, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with this ability to, inability to um, draw your attention to a mm-hmm. task and not know what is going on. Yeah. Has that been challenging for you? Big time. I, I always wondered why I got bored so easily with, with work options or workplace. So I've, I've always had multiple jobs whether I worked full-time and had another job on the side if I was working at a cafe or a restaurant or whatever or part-time and split up against all these places because I need to be – I like to be busy, but then I'm also always exhausted and I just put it down to I'm a busy mum, I've got two kids, I'm working, parenting, hubby works a lot. Like, you know, I just was always told from GPs, clinicians, everyone, oh, you're just a busy working mum, this is normal. And I was like, okay, well, I'm a busy mum and – this is life but I always wanted to study but I couldn't focus on I don't I don't understand how people can sit and study for eight hours a day and retain that information and go to a assessment or you know whatever it might be and come out of it with something I just cannot fathom in my brain how people do that because for me I could I can't even read a page of a book without forgetting what I've read falling asleep or being bored straight away because it doesn't it's not stimulating the part of my brain that needs to be stimulated so being an adult I suppose I don't know any difference so now looking back it would have been so helpful life-changing years and years and years ago to be going through what I'm going through now just in terms of kind of slowing things down and not looking for that next dopamine hit that next what can I do on the side blah 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 blah. but one of the biggest things with hyperactivity in ADD is people with that will hyper focus on tasks that they love that they enjoy and for me that's creativity so art digital work virtual content whatever it might be and I really love being in a creative sense in a creative purpose so I would always paint on the side or I'd be drawing, colour, you know, even kids colouring in books, all that kind of stuff, would just be enough for me to have something that would keep me focused all the time. And then I looked into, you know, studying design and graphic design and all of that, but I just couldn't do it. Even though I loved the topic and I wanted to learn, I just didn't have the ability to sit and actually learn it. With work, I learn on the job. I can't read procedure manuals and watch tutorials and things like that I can but I'm not going to absorb any of it Mm. but I will learn by doing by being shown you know one-on-one and then doing it myself I'll learn that way but yeah as an adult it's definitely been more challenging in ways to be able to consistently get up and do the same thing every day I need a lot of variety in my life which drives my husband insane (laughs) And my kids, but I always have little projects going on. I'm always upcycling or, you know, doing something, trying to keep my mind busy because sometimes the day-to-day is mundane and boring, mm. but you need that to pay the bills. Yeah. yeah. I think all of that, what you've said, is a perfect example of why the education system and the current way that we do schooling in mainstream sort of schooling mm-hmm. doesn't fit 
for everyone yeah. because of the way that they learn. Mm-hmm. Now I can understand why you were saying before how it's your superpower. Mm. Because if you find that area of your passion, you can just go hardcore oh, yeah. you go nuts. into that. Yes. And so for um, adults and for children, it would be then finding what their what passion is, is and, and guiding them yeah. through that. Yeah. And I suppose an earlier diagnosis for you oh. obviously would have been key. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You what know, would have happened? Yeah. Yeah, where I would be. And so do you think that it may have started in childhood? Absolutely. When I was going through my diagnosis, I had to fill out quite a lengthy questionnaire and it would ask questions referring to childhood and adulthood so same question but you know where were you at and it really got me thinking because you know you just live your life and it isn't until someone asks you a question or you see it written in front of you where you actually stop and have to think because you know it's a long time ago now and I even asked my mum and my sister you know do you remember anything like this about me my sister straight away was like oh god yeah but my mum was like no I don't think so. You were always busy. You always had things going on. You always, you know, leave little parts. You always have little things. So they used to call me a magpie was my childhood nickname because I would always be grabbing shiny things and collecting stuff and have all these little things. And little trinkets. Yeah, pretty much, but just crap, just <laughs> stuff. But obviously it was me trying to get those little dopamine hits back then. Mm. My sister still calls me a hurricane, just always on the go picking stuff up, putting it down all the time. But childhood, I definitely, probably more so like maybe later primary school to high school, I reckon. I really struggled in high school because I wasn't academic because I couldn't focus. Looking back now, I struggled with homework and assessments and assignments and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to do back then TE, but I couldn't because I couldn't focus. But then the course that I did didn't really interest me. I stayed and I graduated year 12, which was great, but I only stayed because I didn't know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And then the courses that I did weren't things I was interested in, but I knew it would give me something to leave school with. Whereas looking back now, I wish I had really delved in that creative world, Mm -hmm. the arts, the dance, all of that side of stuff. I had parents who grew up both running their own businesses, working for the man, that kind of thing. That was what I thought you did. So I did the courses that I knew would get me that certificate so I could go and work for the man and, you know, be a number in a corporate company, which I did for six, seven years before I had kids. And now looking back, I really wish I did. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think now we probably do um, have opened our eyes a little bit more to opportunities mm. that are out there. And obviously the world is so different now for what kind of career options mm. are available compared to back, back then. then yeah so and hopefully now I think they probably are teachers more like trained to be able to notice these things and yeah. pick up when a child maybe needs some assistance and I suppose that's where like having a diagnosis is sometimes power mm. because it's knowledge yes, of absolutely. what's going on absolutely. and then you can work your way through yeah your, and also peace of mind to know mm. I'm not crazy, crazy. <laughs> that's what odd. You've hit the nail on the head. I'd go to the GP and I just feel like I just need my brain to be quiet. And then that was what led me down to the anxiety world, I suppose. After I had my second child, I just was constant in my head. How do I do this with two tiny people? And, yeah, she just said, I think you, what you're describing and how, how you're acting sounds like a bit of postnatal anxiety. And I was like, okay, well, that felt good because... It had a label, I suppose, so I could hyperfixate on that and research and figure out what that was and how I could move through that and everything. 
but now looking back it definitely I don't believe it to have been anxiety I think it was just a mistoken yeah in a way that yes I was having anxiety ridden moments as all people do but day to day the the dopamine hits I wasn't getting anymore because two tiny people consumed my world and I wasn't doing anything for me which we all you know get lost in motherhood really easily and so I, I had wished that if I had have had that support and diagnosis years ago that my experience as a first time and then you know second child coming along would have been so much different mm. and I, I would have done things so differently mm. so so different. So after the birth of your first child, were you having any kind of anxiety moments then or were most of those sort of moments happening after your second? More after my second. My first was, I mean, they're never easy. They're not easy. <laughs> Kids aren't easy. But my second was a surprise, okay. happy surprise. I fell pregnant with him. Evie had just turned one and we were ready to try but we when we were ready to try, I was already pregnant and didn't even know. And so the first time around, I had no morning sickness, so no symptoms, but I had, I'm very in tune with my body, I suppose is probably a part of the superpower. I know when things aren't right. And I just had this feeling one day, I think I'm pregnant. So I went to Coles and got a pregnancy test and then found out in the Coles toilet <laughs> that I was pregnant. Oh, it was so funny. So You're the second person on really? here who found out with a Coles pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something going on that boom straight away but with my second I was so at the time I know now I couldn't like everything made me feel sick I had headaches and I was just like oh I just don't feel great so we went to the doctor well, my hubby's like this isn't normal we've got to go to the doctor I was like okay so I went in and he was waiting in the waiting room I said to the doctor oh, you know this is what's going on rah, 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 rah. and she's like oh it sounds like you've got chronic fatigue and I was like oh my god that sounds horrible she's like oh we'll do all these blood tests and everything and we'll just take a pregnancy test and I laughed at it because I had the marina in and I was like I can't be pregnant she's like well it, it can happen and I was like okay whatever and then did a pregnancy test straight away and she's like you're pregnant and I said what I what do you mean hang on <laughs> You've lost me. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait, so when did the Coles thing happen? So the Coles thing... Before or after that? Or first? That was first baby. Sorry, second baby was Marina baby. Oh, mm. okay. So first baby was the Coles... Yes. ...pregnancy test. Oh, first, my God, so you're... I'm jumping you, sorry. that you found it out and snow straight no, forward. No, That's so funny. So then the second one... Second one. You were getting really nauseous and really yes. lethargic, yes. which happens, obviously, with those trimesters. Yes. You feel like a zombie. Absolutely, which I didn't experience in the first one. I felt right. great. Okay, and so you yeah. went to the doctors because you're like, whoa, this energy... I'm dying. But obviously. you had a Marina in. I did. Which is, for the listeners, it's a contraception. Yeah. And I didn't want to go on the pill because I'd had bad experiences on the pill. Mm. I wasn't breastfeeding, so I wasn't on a mini pill or anything like that. So the marina was a great option, obviously. You take it out, pretty much your body. From my experience, yeah. your body goes back to normal and, you know, you can start trying. But I'd been experiencing for probably maybe six months all this lower back pain. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just I'd had, I'd had a cesarean with Evie. So... I thought maybe my core's just really not great and I need to work on my back and blah, 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 blah at the gym. But looking back now, when they did an ultrasound, the marina had slipped and my body was trying to get rid of it. Oh, yeah. you were trying to expel. Yes. Okay. But 
you know, that's how I felt pregnant with the Marine because I wasn't doing its job. <laughs> I know. Okay, so mm. tell me about that moment mm. then, like, in detail. So your doctor's like, here, go do a test. Yeah, so I did the little pee in the cup. She put pops the little dippy sticky thing in. We were chatting about all this other stuff and we were kind of, like, not really paying attention to it because she knew I had the marina. Like, we knew that this wasn't probably not going to be it. But she looked and she's like, oh, you're pregnant. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, yeah, you're pregnant. And I was like, but how? And she's like, oh, there is a small percent. And I was like, of course, I'm the small percent. Oh, of course. Um, and she's probably like, oh, well, I don't have to do any more diagnosis. Yeah, she's like, that was easy. We'll cancel these, this blood work. Don't worry about it. Um, we'll change the blood work to something yeah, else. something else. So, yeah, and so I went into the waiting room. I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go grab my hubby. And he's like, have you got cancer? Oh my god! I'm dying, and I was like, "No, I'm pregnant." And he just went, "What the?" Fuck? And Evie's not even walking, and I was like, "We have two kids under two for like, um, I think there's four months, three months. So it's that 20, oh. 20 months between them, twenty one months." And that I think was what led me down the anxious world yeah. of two kids under two. How am I yeah. going to do this? And it wasn't the like once Oscar came along, like his such an easy baby and things were good it wasn't they weren't challenging mean, it's always challenging they weren't hard kids but the smallest of tasks were hard mm-hmm. how which baby do I get out of the car first when I go to Coles which mm-hmm. kid do I put in the trolley for do I leave the baby in the car while I put the toddler in the pram mm-hmm. do I leave the pram do I do the trolley do I carry like I couldn't in my brain and now knowing with the ADHD how it works, because I'm very regimented and routine-like in my brain, I couldn't work out the routine with the tiny humans of where do they fit. So I would obviously get overwhelmed and then those feelings would kind of carry on through the day quite mildly, but I don't think I left the house by myself with both kids in tow until Oscar was probably about three or four months to go do the grocery shopping or I'd wait till the weekends and Ryan would come with me or he would go and do the, sh- the shopping after he finished work and things like that. We didn't have click and collect back then. Oh, yeah. So long that was so good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Shopping straight to the Life changing. Couldn't even go get a drive-through coffee back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are so much I know. I know. <laughs> um, so just those little, those little moments kind of became overwhelmed and at the time I was working for myself with a with an online business which was growing and huge and that was very demanding as well and I really wanted to give that attention but also like make them my kids they you know they need me to survive and vice versa so I was really torn between both and that was when the disassociating stuff really started to happen I would kind of just completely blank out to everything it's almost like having, in in my experience, like a fit or a seizure where your brain just can't compute, so you just stop completely mm. and then rewire and start again and kind of try to move forward with a clearer thought pattern. But for me, it just was never clear. But So I'd just stop and stop and stop and, yeah, never really be able to pick up and think clearly through that. So you sort of felt throughout the day you weren't going anywhere in yeah, a way? Yeah, kind of. Trying to figure out what the next move was forward, making sure that, you know, everyone was safe, fed, all of that jazz. And it just got a bit too much sometimes, so I just didn't go. I'd go to the gym, put the kids into the crash, 
because I'd meet a friend there and she would help me get the kids out of the car. As long as, if I had someone with me, I was fine. Mm-hmm. But just trying to get out of the house was an overwhelming process. So, yeah, once the kids got that little bit older, I think once Oscar was walking and Evie was nearly three by that point and she was very, is very independent, very helpful, so she was really good. She would help me. Or, you know, she'd listen and I'd be like, I'm going to get Oscar out of the car, you stay here, and then Mummy will come and get you and that kind of stuff. Being able to... Have a conversation. Yeah, pretty much, with a tiny person who kind of understood what was going on. But when I would go to town and things like that, I'd park as far away from anything as possible so I wasn't sensory overloaded by cars and trolleys and noises and the at the traffic lights and all of that stuff just blows your mind. So yeah, interesting. I park at the jetty to walk to Woolworths. Oh, so real, real far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I mean. And to be honest, it sounds like, because I've only got one, so I, I've been thought of having two, <laughs> two sounds, yes, very full on. I think any of those sort of tasks, daily tasks, would be challenging for a lot of people. And that's why we need to have that sort of support oh, around mums 100%. because, yeah, it would stop you from going out or doing any daily tasks or yeah. living your life yeah yeah definitely. and then on top of that for you to have that sensory overload mm. imagine you would have a lot of sensory overload in the house <laughs> there's a lot going on and then you've got all the like tv shows I was in the background say, like, Twirly World. oh my god what is it the giggle and hoot all of that it was just it was a lot and my like mantra in my head is like this too shall pass like, this mm. day will pass. This is, like, we just, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Just go have a cup of tea. <laughs> You'll be okay. Did you ever feel, like, any depressive states? No, I've no. never, there became a time maybe about 18 months ago to two years ago where I thought maybe I am depressed. But I didn't, I couldn't explain why I thought that. I think it was just because I was going through what I thought was this anxiety diagnosis that couldn't, fit into that mold of anxiety and then motherhood humans work all of that I was like maybe I am I don't know am I but I never felt sad or you know the typical the typical symptoms of a depressive person I I didn't feel like that but because I couldn't figure out what was going on I just thought maybe I am I don't know so it sounds like it was obviously quite challenging to get a diagnosis for you. Mm. Sort of roughly how many years are we talking now before you started, before you actually got a diagnosis? So I started, my youngest is nearly eight, is he? I love it. Someone asked me this morning, <laughs> and what's your son's birthday? And I was like, I don't know. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> and then I started having like a mini panic attack because yeah. I was like, and now I can't think. <laughs> and then you go, we get it all I the time. I love it. Um, yeah, no, he is. He will be eight. So I reckon maybe when he started kindy, so maybe four or five years ago, okay. I started to really think, I don't think that this is anxiety. And at the time, I, I didn't want to go down any sort of medication route. I really did a holistic approach to everything. I was deep belly breathing. I was seeing a life coach. I was you know, working out, not excessively, but I was active and walking and going to the gym, doing classes, Pilates, yoga, 
meditate, trying to meditate. Meditating is the hardest thing when you've got it. Yeah, that's interesting because you would think that maybe that would be a tool to help with mm. calmness, but yeah. how does that work for you? You can't. My brain doesn't mm. stop. I've been highly recommended to go and try yin yoga, so holding poses, deep breaths, really slow movements, and I was like, this sounds perfect, and it was torture. Because the whole time in my head, I'm like, is it, are we moving on yet? What are, we, what am I cooking for dinner? When am I going to Coles? My, it just didn't stop. And then I'm having this internal dialogue with myself, which is very common within ADHD as well, of myself telling myself to shut up, mm-hmm. stop talking, stop thinking, you need to be in the zone, you need to be in the moment, you need to let go, you need to breathe, you need to focus on this. And then my brain's telling that to shut up. But this goes on all the time. And I had so many conversations with people just asking out of curiosity do you have conversations with your thoughts and they look at you like what are you talking about and I'm like okay that's not normal. <laughs> okay but it's your way of trying to control or I don't know it's really hard to explain like I'll for example knowing I was seeing you this week in my brain the last few days I've been having conversations with you mm-hmm that we've not had, that probably won't even happen. And I'm answering the questions I think you're going to tell me. But then sometimes if I've had this conversation in my head with someone and then I see them, I'll start talking about what I've been thinking about in my head and they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That was in in rehearsal. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. But And I thought that that was anxiety because it's this constant state of like doomsday or, or worry, but it, I wasn't worried. Mm. I was just chatting because it just doesn't stop. So I just... There's something that you do in, um, if you do acting class, mm. Emma, where you do these tasks, these little activities that you're talking about, where you kind of, if you have a scene, you practice these thoughts and feelings in different ways that you would respond to mm. the person in that moment so that when you come and do the scene, yeah. you've had all that rehearsal that's already in you and you don't have to think about it and yeah. you just respond. Yeah. And it's exactly that like sounds- what you've done. Oh so you've gosh. just been rehearsing. My whole life. Yeah. <laughs> You're rehearsing for everything, every event. Oh, my gosh. For people I don't even know or interactions I might have at a cafe. But I imagine that would be quite exhausting. It is. It is exhausting. And that was the drawing point where... I went to my GP, who I've been seeing for years, and she's fantastic. And I just, I'd done all the holistic stuff that we had talked about. I said, I think I need something to just turn the noise down. And she said, okay, well, we can get you started on a healthcare plan. You can see a psychologist, and they'll give you the tools to be able to quieten the noise. We also started with a small dosage of an anxiety medication. So I started doing that, and things felt good I didn't notice a huge change but I was on a really low dose Mm -hmm. so I didn't for me I like to understand what it is that's what I'm consuming and how is it actually going to work what's it actually doing to my brain pattern so we started on something low I started seeing the psychologist she was nice I didn't really feel like I gelled with her, I suppose, but obviously that's why there are so many. It's the same with anyone. If you don't gel with your hairdresser, you change your dress up kind of thing. I think if you get the right psychologist or psychiatrist or counsellor, whatever Mm. form of person you're seeing, straight up, Mm -hmm. you're very lucky. 100%. The amount of money and time I've spent seeing other people is a lot, but... 
the hard thing as well is that it's such a saturated market with people so desperate for help that you know you are on wait lists for a long time and sometimes that time passes so quickly that you're like oh my god it's like it's my time to go and then the overwhelm and the anxiety of actually dealing with it got a bit much at some point so I would cancel appointments I'd be like no I'm fine I'm feeling really good like things are good give it a month and you're back on the wait list because you've missed that appointment and, and things like that so it probably took maybe three psychs before I found someone who I didn't gel with completely but her approach was very different and she kind of taught me these little just words and the way that she would describe things really resonated with my thought pattern and I didn't necessarily like her but I liked how I felt after I saw her so we would I was going maybe every six to eight weeks not as frequent as I wanted but it was it was what, what worked for my schedule and one day we were chatting and she was asking me lots of questions my daughter is very we butt heads a lot we're the same person and so having a mirror image of yourself is really confronting especially when they're a tiny little person who's <laughs> going through hormonal changes and all of that mm. fun stuff and I was talking with her one day and she brought up a topic of have you ever had her assessed for ADD or ADHD and I was kind of like oh my child like she's a lot but not you know because so she picked up on, your on child, my daughter yes. just because of how I was explaining her characteristics she prompted that conversation and I was like oh I've never really thought about it I wouldn't I, she's not hyperactive and she's like no it doesn't always mean energy outbursts and bounce your thoughts no I said she's the complete opposite I said but she doesn't shut up and her brain's a thousand miles a minute and da 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 and she's so like she's just off with the fairies we call her the faff queen she's yeah the queen of faff baby you're faffing around because she just like floats and is a little hurricane and then the more that the psych and I coerced about this She's like, oh, she's just like you. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. I am exactly like that. Like, I'm the faff queen. I am the faff. <laughs> she gets it from me. Shit, she gets it from me. But, yeah, and it kind of sat with me for a while and I didn't go to my next session with her because I kind of was really thinking about what she said. Just that off-the-cuff flyaway comment really stuck and I started to do a lot of research about ADHD in children especially little girls because girls just fly under the radar and Evie's very smart she's very academic and doesn't struggle at school and so I didn't think that so is that why they fly under the radar because they're not like a, a, does a boy ADHD mm. tend to be more disruptive in the classroom or something or uh, well why? I would I would say yes and no it honestly depends on the child mm. and how they are but in my observations of my daughter I she is like me in her brain a thousand miles a minute and when things don't go to plan she really struggles to you know come back from that and if she's really interested in a topic she's gung-ho and like on the computer researching and, which is fantastic but when it's not something she's you know when it comes to sport and soccer and she is not She's off with the fairies and the soccer not pitch. Her no, she's not there for it. But the more that I researched about it in children, the more I found that I was ticking the boxes more than her. And so I sent a link to, it must have, obviously the algorithm doing what it does. I was constantly Googling on my phone so all these videos would come up through my social media, Facebook and Instagram. 
of all these videos about ADHD and I was like, oh, and I'd kind of sit and watch and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that, rah, 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 rah. And so I'd do more research and kind of really listen to podcasts and, you know, articles and things like that. And I'd kind of flick things to my hubby all the time, like, what are your thoughts on this? Do you see any sort of, you know, resemblance between this article and me? And he's like, oh, everything. That's you to a T. If someone could write, if I could write you down, that's that. Oh, wow. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, if you're seeing that, like I've spent a lot of my life with this guy, so he knows what's going on. <laughs> Sent it to my sister, and she's like, did you write this? <laughs> I was like, okay. So that's two for twos. But I might just go to the GP. And, uh, and quite a hardcore two for two. <laughs> like like the, real, the real people who are going to be real honest. And then one of my girlfriends, who were very much the same, I kind of flipped it to her and I was like, what do you reckon? And she's like, oh, babes, that's us. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think so too. So I kind of summarised that in my phone, made a double appointment with my GP and poor love, she didn't know what she was in for that day. And I was like, know, what's going on, Megs? I think I've got ADHD. And the other part of me as well is I don't, because I am hyper aware of what's going on within me, I hate going to the GP because I, I think that they think I'm a hypochondriac because I'm like, I think I have anxiety. I think this is going on. Yeah, I've done my research yes. and here, yeah. this is me. Here's the thesis I've prepared on myself for you to recommend where I go now. But she's, she's fantastic and she's like, okay, so why do you think you have ADHD? And we were having a laugh and I, was, I whipped out my phone and I've got this list and she's like, oh, okay. Well, she's like, okay. We read through everything and... And she said, okay, well, I think you have ADD. And I was like, nah, man. She's like, you are not hyperactive. I said, I know. Oh, so there's a difference. Yes, big time. So ADD, attention deficit disorder, is your typical, wrong wording. I'm still learning wording, I suppose. ADD is more outbursts of rage, anger, frustration, irritability, moments where your brain can't, like it's like a block, and the only way you can move through that is however your body responds to that movement. ADHD is the same in ways, but it's the way that your brain transmits information. You might have to tell yeah. to this diagnosis. Yeah, because I know there was also originally it was always ADD, mm-hmm. and then they changed it to ADHD or like added in a thing. Yes. And also with the way of diagnosis, which all goes down to your DSM, yes. it changes constantly they're always updating it with it looking at symptoms so keep going with what you're saying and we'll try and provide a bit of extra information yeah. online for yeah people definitely when it comes to it. yeah I kind of my main ones were the disassociating sensory overload constantly fidgeting you've probably noticed I move around quite a bit I'm chopping and changing all the time yeah just lots of lots of little things that don't sound like much. You would have a conversation with your friends and they're probably like, oh, I do that all the time. But when you're listing it and it's happening all day, every day, that's something that needs attention. So my GP was fantastic. She sent me through a referral to a psychiatrist, which in my mind I was like, oh, my God, the loony bin, which is horrible because that's that social stigma again. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I wasn't aware of the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist and obviously massively different. So the psychiatrist can prescribe medication. Absolutely. Psychologist is talking and giving yes. you tools to be able Move to work through what you're going through. Yeah. And they both work like hand in hand have been amazing for me 
in, so in different ways that work together as well. But the psychiatrist was life-changing. She, we just had a Skype session for the first appointment and she just chatted, asked me questions, nothing out of the ordinary, but someone who's got no other perception of you other than your name and date of birth and why you're there. And she just asked me little things about, you know, how, how do you live your life through the day? What do you, you know, and how do you feel when lots of things are going on in one place? Do you kind of stop, kind of blank off for a little bit for a moment or can you move through it easily? And I was like, oh, my God, no, everything is just too much and I just have to shut it all down. She asked me questions about going to the supermarket, how do you feel about being in big crowds, big places, and I just said, I just feel like I'm just overloaded with so much information that my brain cannot compute what is important. Just little things like, how, what's your house like? Is your pantry full of plastic sorting Tupperware, but you've got little piles of stuff everywhere? And I was like, oh, yeah. But I just thought that was normal. But she said, can you start a task and finish it within the same day? I said, oh, well, if it's something I really want to do, absolutely. She's like, but if it's cleaning, I'm like, oh, God, no. You know, or, you know, something that's not of interest, interest to me, I'll leave that there for months. Yeah. And that's just, it's not got my attention, so why, will I, why would I give it to it? Even things like sweeping up the floor, I would sweep everything into a pile and then leave the pile there. Um. And my husband's like, it's not hard to get the dustpan and just, just dustpan that, you know, and then it's done, you, you're finished. I'm like, yeah, but I've done that part, I've swept it, and then I'll come back to that. I'm just going to go this five months time. Literally, he'll come home from work and there's these little piles. <laughs> Horrible. But in my brain, I'm going to come back to that. I'll come back to that because something else has caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And I think now, looking back, when my dad used to call me a magpie, it makes total sense because I'm like, oh, shiny thing. What's over there? That looks fun. That task is better. But I thought I was like multitasking. Now. Nah. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm. Yeah. So the psych was just such a breath of fresh air to know that I wasn't going crazy mm -hmm. and that these quirks and characteristics of me were labelled as ADHD. And shared by other people. Absolutely. And she just said at the end of it, she's like, Meg, I think you have been, you live with ADHD and I, it looks like you have your whole life. And I was like, oh my God. So she was able to pretty much diagnose pretty straight much, away? Pretty much straight away. So how did that feel for you? Oh, like a weight just lifted off my shoulders. I didn't cry or anything after from my relief. I just remember thinking... I knew that I wasn't an anxious person. I knew I had anxious moments, but I knew that something else wasn't quite right, mechanically up there. Something wasn't right. I could see how my sister, my friends, my husband operate, and I just wasn't there with them kind of thing. They were all on diesel, and I'm, like, on the real cheap unlit. <laughs> but just constantly... But I just make a joke of it. I'm like, oh, I'm just fat. I just faff. I'm just doing what I do. Like, this is who I am. But with time, I needed to know that there was a better option for me with the help of clinical professionals. And so after she, she gave me that diagnosis, I, she sent me this massive, all this massive paperwork to fill out. I had to go have full blood work done, heart, heart check, liver, everything because we had agreed that I wanted to try 
medication to see what my life would look like with that. Mm. Usually I do take a more holistic route with things. I like to exercise and, you know, move through all of that, but... You've done all that? I've done all that. I've I'd, I'd done all that with, yes, it did change, but I couldn't sustain that, that level of holistic stuff with my life where it is now. My kids have sports. I work four days a week, mm-hmm. you know. And those holistic things you can do still with medications as well. Absolutely. But you probably would have to do that full extent. Yeah. So once I filled out all the paperwork, did all the blood work, got everything back, it was probably about a three-week period maybe in between, which wasn't great. Was great, wasn't, because you're waiting and waiting and waiting and it's the system at the moment, you know, that's the next time you can get in. So did you just really want to start? Um, I just really wanted to move forward. Yeah, I did want to start. I wanted to know how this would be now. Of course, I started researching stimulants, you know, holistic views, what can I do, what can't I do, that kind of stuff. Went down that rabbit hole, which was good. It helped put my mind at ease because I really, as much as the information she gave me was fantastic, it wasn't, it still wasn't enough for me. So I needed to get my own research and do all of that. Yeah, once I had that second follow-up, we went through everything. I was prescribed a stimulant and just started on a very, very small dose. And then every five days would increase that by five milligrams, breakfast, lunchtime. And then five days. So it took about, I think, maybe five weeks until I was on my level. That feels good. Mm-hmm. And so for now, there are some... On the weekends, if I don't have anything planned, I don't take my second dose through the day. Mm-hmm. I take it in the mornings just to, you know, get out of bed and the usual stuff and make sure that my brain is attentive and switched on and focused for what the, the day is going to bring. But on the weekends, I try not to have that second dose just because I don't really need it. Yep. I'm at home with the kids and with hubby. Work and that's pretty common for parents yeah. with kids as well. They Absolutely. Might, school holidays, they might take a break yeah. or weekends. Yeah. And I like the idea of, of having that break for my gut health and everything as well. I don't, as much as it's so great for my brain, what's the ripple effect going to be like in the future? And I know it's something that I will probably need for the entirety of my existence probably but what do I need to do to supplement the rest of my body yep. going through this medication process perfect yeah so having those breaks have been really good work days if I know that I've got a full-on day sometimes I'll take an additional dose in the afternoon I don't really like to do it because it does ripple in, into the evening and then I'm wired at midnight and yeah so because you've said there that it's a stimulant I suppose um people often think hang on a second stimulant means uh, maybe they think of like caffeine it Mm. makes you want to go 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 in in people who are being medicated for adhd it's trying to help them to actually focus and move through the day yes as opposed to um if somebody doesn't have adhd and takes it then you're going to get a different effect yeah but one of the spin-offs is that if you take the dose too late in the evening then it can impact your sleep absolutely so there's been a few times especially in the beginning where i was trying to you know figure out where what felt good i took my midday dose maybe an hour later than normal and that ruined me i was up till one to two o'clock so i knew then that i needed to start earlier in the day to be able to get through the day and then go to sleep and sleep soundly Mm. but the difference between taking it and 15 minutes can be for me not a great time so i've got lots of alarms in my phone (laughs) lots of alarms (laughs) don't miss it don't miss it (laughs) 
it's good. Everyone who I work with, they know that if the alarm goes off, they're like, Meg, if I'm not there. And by now, I can kind of tell when I need to, need to have it. But for the most part, if it wasn't for the alarms, I'd be screwed. It's been such a life-changing experience now being medicated because, as you said, it just stops all the noise, that noise that I'd constantly been complaining about to everyone around. It just doesn't exist anymore. Sometimes I still get into that sensory overload, but it's only when there is a lot going on. You've got the, I've got the kids nagging me. We're in a supermarket. There's a lot around, and I'm just like, I just need you to stop for a second. And now the kids know. I just say, Mum needs a brain break. Can we just shh, just stop? And do you take your fidgets into the shopping centre? No, no, no. Would that work in that situation? Um, I don't think so. I have a little kind of system in my brain where as I'm driving to supermarkets or wherever we need to go, I kind of decompress in my brain what's probably going to occur and then just focus on my breathing, the task at hand, make sure that I'm not distracted by... if If I see a friend or someone I know, I'm just off with the fairies again straight after and we'll just walk out and forget everything all the time. <laughs> so I try, I really try to go to the supermarket and everything when I know people won't be there that I know. Yeah, don't look at me, don't yeah. look at me. I'm not being rude, I'm on a mission. Please don't distract my brain. Yeah, it's, I hate, I hate going to the supermarket anyway, but that's just another level of it. But I just really try and pre-compute for my own safety and sanity, I suppose what's going to happen and what's going to occur so I can move through that without feeling. I don't have any outward bursts when things like that happen. I just kind of stop. It becomes unproductive. Yeah, Yeah. and just almost go into like a zombie-like state because I'm trying to figure out what the task is. Even at home, if I get distracted, I'll stand there and be like, what is it I'm doing? Why did I walk into this room? What is around me that might prompt my thought process of, oh, you've come in here to tidy up or pick up this or you're looking for this and sometimes it just doesn't happen I have to go back to the start where I started that thought process and sit and think sometimes it comes sometimes it doesn't but because I've obviously been distracted by something that's going to give me a dopamine hit that my brain's like Mm. look at that so do you feel like the medication has been life-changing hugely so and the comments I've had from friend's husband workplace has just confirmed that this has been a smart choice for me. I was a little worried in the beginning about it because the experience, uh, I mean, I had never taken recreational drugs or anything like that before, but I knew that this particular stimulant that I'm on is something that people want for this party effect. And I was like, oh God, what's it going to do to me? And then knowing now when I take it that I feel normal, I'm like, oh, and people, I can understand why people would want it. But for me, it's just, I don't know. It's really hard to explain how, I don't know how it works. It just does. Yeah. And for me, it's, yeah, it has opened up so much in my personal life to be able to think about studying, think about offsetting things and having my own business and actually being able to focus on that. Whereas before the thought of it was so overwhelming, I was like, oh, just just work for the man for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, the medication does definitely bring its own stigma mm. with it. On top of the condition having yeah. its own stigma, it just creates more challenges and barriers, I think, for people to be able to get the help that they probably need and mm. that they want. 
this kind of moves me to the next question, which is what do you wish that you knew before or what do you want other people to know about ADHD in adults or children? Yeah, I think not to be scared of it. These days I believe a lot more people like myself are talking about it more openly and, you know, like with every topic we're moving through the current day, it's nothing anymore. It's just, it is what it is. Hi, I'm Megan and I have ADHD. I'm a mum of two kids. Like, it's just nothing. So I, I wish that there had have been someone like me for me 20 years ago. I wish that back when I was at school that there was more support for my parents. Now looking back at how much I did struggle, I would have benefited from something like this. I, I just now know with my own children that just to be a little bit more on top of their little quirks, just see how often these things are happening. What is upsetting your child frequently? What is maybe sensory overloading them? Where are you when things like this happen? How do they react in that moment? And is that reaction happening multiple times? If you go to the same sort of situation, how do they react and does that happen every time you go there? Does your child fixate on something, a topic, a a book, a character, whatever, and everything else just doesn't exist? You know, they're not bad things, but it's just something to be aware of and kind of take note over time. I'd say it's more prevalent in school age where you start to really see how your child is within a classroom around 20 other kids. The teachers, in my experience, have so far with my with my kids at school have been so on the ball so fantastic with things like this and my daughter especially who I do I probably will go down the track of having her assessed diagnosed the teacher has brought a few things to my attention this year especially so she's in year four now of topics that they have been focusing on at school and like Evie is really into this like she is loving this topic she's been so focused she's like please let her know that we're so proud of her so things like that I'm like okay well this is a something she's interested in but everything else that she's doing she's just flying under the radar not really great not bad but just just mm-hmm. so little moments like that have made me more aware in my parenting to just take a step back and kind of observe a little bit more yeah but I can only be like that when I'm in a sound mind as well if I'm in sensory overload and they're doing stuff I'm just off the rails yeah but if things are smooth sailing for me it gives me that more awareness of what's going on in front of me whereas before they'd be in front of me doing all of this stuff and I'm listening to the clock tick (laughs) you know so it's I wish, and having conversations with my mum about all of this, she now says, oh, yeah, you were like that all the time, but we just thought that you were busy. You were just a little girl who was busy doing everything, had so many little things on all the time. And I suppose the thing is that there's nothing wrong with that. It's Mm. not like there's nothing wrong. It's just, I suppose, to help you achieve your potential Mm, or really optimize what you can do and I suppose that's maybe the approach would you be looking at with parenting Mm -hmm. is just helping your child reach their potential thrive in what she's what what they are interested in Mm. and then not sweating the small stuff reports I don't really care are you a good human are you kind to people 
and are you loving what you do? That's all I care about. But knowing when I need to pull back from parenting as well and kind of just embrace what they're doing in the moment that they love and not worry about the homework, the reading, the... Yes, that's important, but also I need to create a good human that's going to be able to thrive and function as a human when they're not living under my roof. So what tools can I teach them to be able to do that? Just small things of how I've been able to live my life day to day and then instill that in my kids and teach them little moments. You know, when I need to have my brain break, my kids know that they can go have brain breaks too. My son's like, I need alone time. And off he goes. And that's it. And we just say, like, Oscar's having his alone time. Just leave him alone. Don't pester him. My daughter's the same. She's like, I just want to go read my books in my room. Off you go. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that what's going to soothe your brain is bad. Of course not. But then there are other times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to set a timer now. You've got 15 minutes for your brain break. And then we've got to do our homework. And once we've done our homework, then you can go back to your books. But I know right now you need to quiet your noise so let's do that and then you'll be able to read because if I get home from school I'm like right reading and this and this and this they're just they're going to just have that zombie mode that disassociates straight away from my experience of what I'm dealing with in my house we definitely have those moments of blank face of just nothing so I kind of look at that and say okay well right now is not the time let's soothe stop and then we'll move forward with the tasks just like I do for myself. But such such fantastic advice as well. Like I know it's not you're not giving advice to other people, but I think they can take so much yeah. from that because also it's something that you have learned and experienced and now that's what you're sharing. It's sort of not anything I'd really thought. I mean, we haven't reached that point yet because my, my son's only 18 months, so he, he's not going into his registry. <laughs> 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 he's pulling all the pots and pans yeah. out. Um, but, yes, and how you can help them to take that mm. brain break because it's so hard to, for us to put our minds into their minds yeah. and know what is even going on inside their brain. 100%. I think it's my kids at their school, they focus a lot on health and well-being and mindfulness and these moments where it's okay to just you to just be you in that moment and the world continues around you. Mm. So I really try to, I mean, I'm not Gandhi. Like the house is not functioning like this all the time, let me tell you. But for the most part, I do my best for them to know that it is okay to remove yourself from a situation that isn't feeling good, whether that's their brain is overloaded, there are kids at school that they're not having a good time with, maybe there's a bit of, you know, character building. <laughs> yeah. Call it that. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> But I just try to tell the kid, my two especially, and their friends that come around all the time, I'm like, you don't have to be cool with everyone. You can be cool and walk away. Let's just... Don't be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Kindness is what happens. You You need to just do what's best for you and your brain in that time. And if you don't want to be around those people, just go. It is getting harder, though, as my daughter gets older because she's trying to make those social connections and, you know, the hierarchy and girls are next level difficult in in that world so far my experience has been anyway but trying to make her aware of what her values are and her morals as a person as Evie what she can do in that moment and what she can control that's kind of what I bring it back to within myself is what can I control in this moment and right now it's pausing breathing moving through and then restart Mm. and I probably do that maybe two three times a day 
Depending. Yeah. And it's nothing, like, I'm not sitting in a corner like this. Yeah. For hours. It's yeah. two seconds. Yeah. Nothing. But enough to, as quickly as you blink your eyes is as quickly as I've done it in my head kind of thing. And that's tools that I've been taught from the psychiatrist and the psychologist moving through those moments of overwhelm, anxiety, overload. The, yeah. Those small triggers that really aren't triggering. It's just the environment that you're in that is creating a triggering effect, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your story and your experience with all of this. And if anybody would like to reach out or connect with you, where would they be able to find you? Probably my socials, which is Megan Caligari Designs. I kind of channel my hyperactivity focus into... Yeah, creativity, social media, digital, virtual content, that kind of thing. So that's probably the best place. I'm more than happy to discuss. Like I've said, though, this is my personal experience and everyone is so different. But I know with a few other adult females that I've connected with, we all kind of overlap in a lot of similar things, which has been really reassuring to me to know that. Not only am I not alone, but if I'm having a moment, I have safe people that I can go to and just be like, and kind of... Yeah, ask questions. Some are more ahead than me in their journey. Some are just starting from conversations we've had together. So it's nice to have that kind of village, I suppose, in a way, mm-hmm. to support me in, in my questions. And that has definitely been through social media as well. Beautiful. I'll add links to that in the show notes and on our social media because Caligari is <laughs> challenging. Oh, my gosh. Spelly. Calamari? Yeah. It's lovely. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, You're Megan. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Alex. This show was brought to you by Batika Co.